all tonight. Thanks for being here. Um, let's go ahead and just open up a prayer together and entrust our, our evening together just to the blessed mother. So we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou in this Advent means coming. 
And it, it actually refers to that period in salvation history where Israel was waiting for the coming of the promised Savior. And so each, each year during Advent, the church actually invites you and I into the longings of Israel for that promised Savior. And it's crazy because, so the catechism actually points something really, really neat out to us. And, and we read in the catechism that every single Advent, we're invited to relive the events of salvation history. And it's during these four weeks of Advent that the church makes present the ancient expectancy of the Messiah. Let me do that one more time. So in an Advent, the church relives the great events of salvation history and makes present the ancient expectancy of the Messiah, of the promised Savior. Okay, what does this even mean, though? Okay, well, let's, let's go back to the very first Advent, if you will, in order to, to more fully understand this. And the first Advent was a whole lot longer than just four weeks that we celebrate today. Because the, the first Advent was actually thousands of years long. Can you imagine waiting for thousands of years or something? Because, you see, right after the fall of Adam and Eve, God actually promised the Savior, this Messiah. This is a really important passage in the book of Genesis. Genesis 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 15, is known in the Catholic tradition of Scripture as the Proto-Evangelium. Right? It's known as the very first, that's what proto means, Evangelium means gospel. So right here, Right after the fall, God in his mercy actually makes a promise to mankind. He promised that he would save us from our sin that had literally just happened with the fall. Right? And so this proto-evangelium, this first announcement of the gospel, right, comes right after the fall. And then the whole rest of the Old Testament, the whole rest of the story of salvation leading up to the coming of Christ in the Incarnation can, can be very simply summarized right here as just the story of Israel waiting on God's faithfulness for his fulfillment of his promise to send that Savior. But it sure wasn't easy to wait for Israel. If you know anything about the story of the Old Testament, you can see that it's filled with turns and twists and moments of falling into sin and moments of distrust and doubt and going back, right, to Egypt and their hearts. And there's just this whole journey, right, of Israel towards God and that, that covenant promise, that covenant faithfulness. But in the time of Christ, right, there, there, there were Israel, the Israelites, there were ancient Jews who trusted in God and trusted his promise, trusted 
that he was a father who was faithful to his promises somehow. Because in the time when God did fulfill this promise, and at the time of the incarnation, right, the Jews, the ancient Jews were actually living a moment in history of a lot of suffering and a lot of oppression by the Roman rulers in the time period. And so a lot of the Jews, would, they, they were very tempted and stuck in fear and doubt and questioning whether God would be faithful to that promise of old. And so this group of Israelites who trusted God, right, they clung to him. They clung to his promise. And they waited on him with this expectancy. And so, just a question that we invite you <clears throat> to consider. Where in your life are you waiting right now? Where are you experiencing fear or doubt? Where are you doubting that God is a father who is faithful and keeps his promises? I don't know if any of you identified with how the Israelites feel, but when she was speaking to me, yeah, I thought she. Um, waiting is hard. Waiting can be hard. Um, and so, kind of going into a couple more questions too that will lay the foundation here. So, why do we fear when we know that God is faithful? Why do we fear when we know that God is faithful? And then a question too. What would it look like to wait with an expected hope in God's faithfulness in any of these areas that you're waiting or maybe that you're fearful in your life? What would that look like? So if we if we look at fear, I wanna I wanna go into this for a little bit. We find that actually fear at its root is a deeper desire that has not been fulfilled yet. So oftentimes fear gets this bad reputation that it's bad, that we are not allowed to be afraid. But in fact, in leaning into our fears, we are then able to lean into our deeper longings of those places that we desire. We desire the Lord, we desire this thing that is coming, whatever we are waiting on. And so these places of fear, these places of waiting, these are precisely the places that the Lord is inviting us to enter into more deeply with Him in His Advent. These are the places. And so when we try to face our fears alone, that's when it kind of tends to get messy. We feel overwhelmed. We feel anxious. We feel like we can't get there on our own. But when we face the fears with Jesus, with the Lord, he can transform them into places of new life. So we see this very, I guess, um, materialistic, not materialistic, but tangibly, that's the word, my bad, um, in the coming of Jesus in the nativity. So in one of the poorest places in this cave with a bunch of smelly animals, 
came new life in the form of the Savior. So in this place that was messy, in this place that was poor, in this place that was empty, came new life that was the Savior and the Redeemer of our souls. So, in order to acknowledge and face our fears with Jesus, it requires us being present to our own hearts. It requires us being open to the stirrings and what we are feeling. And then it is here that the Lord then is able to speak to us and lead us to where he desires for us to be. So there exists a direct correlation between living in the present, being aware of our hearts, and the stirring of our hearts, and then from this place, how to respond to the Lord. So, rather than looking at our fear, let's look to Mary to understand how, more, how we can more deeply enter into our hearts in these places by considering how she lived the first advent. Because she was in it. She was one of these faithful Jews who waited on the Lord, who remained in trust, but also recognized that her people had been waiting for thousands of years. So she probably didn't really think the Savior was coming anytime soon. Yet she waited and she trusted. So when the angel of the Lord came to Mary in the Annunciation, it was still completely unexpected. It's not like she was preparing for this her whole life, but I'm going to be the mother of God. <laughs> she had no idea. She was surprised. Yet she responded in faithfulness and in trust. And this is because up until the point of the Annunciation, Mary lived her life so completely rooted in the Lord, so aware of her own heart and her identity in Him, that she couldn't help but respond with an open heart to the Lord. So when the angel of the Lord came, yes, granted, she was probably like going to bed and praying her songs at night, you know, normal Tuesday. And then all of a sudden, the angel comes. But instead of running with fear, because she was directly open to the Lord in every moment of her life, she was able to respond and receive what the angel of the Lord said to her. So it was from this place of knowing who the Lord is and who she is because of Him that gave her the freedom to be open and available for the coming Christ, to say yes to this place to respond generously. Yes, there probably still existed fear, it said she was greatly troubled at what was said to her. But in being in her heart with the Lord, being there in the fear, there was a freedom to remain with him there. And from this came new life, the incarnation of God. And so this can tell us something about our own hearts as women. So as women, God created our hearts particularly to be open and receptive. So there are certain qualities in which JP2 states as being the feminine genius. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. But these four qualities are receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. And so we, hear, we see here that Mary so beautifully emulated this for us. So because her heart was open, because she was receptive to what the Lord had for her, 
When the angel of the Lord came, she was able to receive this truth of she would be the mother of God. From that place, she was able to evaluate her own heart and its stirrings, to be aware of how she was feeling and who the Lord was in that place. So she was sensitive to how her heart received this. And from that place, she was able to respond with her yes, with her fiat. So her generosity there of saying yes. And from this came eternity, very literally, through the person of Jesus. So we see here as well, there's a difference between waiting with the Lord and waiting for the Lord. Waiting with the Lord and waiting for the Lord. So when we are waiting for the Lord, sometimes there tends to be this, this grasping that happens. We try to fix it ourselves or we try to make come to fruition what only God can. We try to make the Lord's will happen. But when we look to Mary, there was no grasping. There was no arguing. There was a fullness of receptivity. And her only response was, how can this be? Because I have no relation with you. That wasn't her doubting. That wasn't her saying it was no. There was a receptivity and acceptance there. So when we respond with the Lord, with him in these places of fear, we enter into our own hearts and invite the Lord to be there with us in those fears, in those places of suffering, in those places of doubt. It is there that the Lord is then able to give us His strength to enlarge our hearts to be even more receptive and to continue to trust in His promise and in essence to allow God to be God. To allow God to be God means to let God be a man you know. Right? Advent is all about this season of preparing our hearts to welcome Christ's coming. And Jesus is the man you know. He is God with us. Right? So as we now enter into this time of prayer, adoration, um, reconciliation, so just allow our hearts to be before the Lord and with Him. Blessed Mother, we ask you to teach us how to wait tonight. As we enter into this time of adoration, before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, and the grace of an open heart. For this great mystery of the Father's love for us, that He is here with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, we ask you for the graces that we need to have more of an open and receptive heart as we enter into these ongoing weeks of Advent. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now.